John chapter 8, go ahead and turn there this morning in your Bible and or electronic device. John chapter 8. We started looking at this verse 12 last week. Let's look at it again this morning. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want to entitle the message this morning, Light of the World, Part 2. So we started looking at this verse. We talked about what light actually is, right? That which gives us the ability to see accurately things that may have been hidden. Uh, We likened it to being in the woods on a dark night, trying to find our way home, right? Tripping, falling, running into branches and other people. Kind of like life, right? Sometimes. And we saw how um, we don't always know in life where the where the path is the right thing to do where the trip hazards and all that kind of thing but we saw that Jesus came to give us that light to show us the way we also saw that Jesus is the light right as creator of this world and human beings and who better to show us the truth about life and what it's all about and the best way to navigate it and then Jesus says this Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We might translate this uh, this way. They will have the light that leads to life. You know, when Adam and Eve first sinned, death came upon them just as God said it would. They didn't immediately keel over dead, right? But death came into the human experience, didn't it? First of all, it brought death to their intimate relationship with God. They became separated uh, from God. It it brought death there. Second, um, because God was also the source of their quality of life, their blessing, their fruitfulness, death came into the human experience into every area of life. Pain, suffering, disharmony with nature, disharmony with other people, right? Disharmony with God, emotional problems, etc., 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 right? Death came. And as you and I uh, walk in the natural, how many... <laughs> Uh, know what I'm talking about. When we walk in that darkness, when we walk uh, according to what we think is right, um, we create a lot of death, don't we? Look at the world around us, the disharmony, the chaos, the, uh, we've talked about it before, society, the problems in society are not economic problems, they're heart problems, right? It's all in here. Sin, it's an I problem. It's all about me, all about what I want. And when we focus inward, right, death comes to relationships. Death comes to so many different areas of our lives. And so Jesus is saying here, if you follow me, you will have the light or the understanding of truth that leads to life. 
First of all, um, through Jesus, we gain that understanding of truth of how to be reconciled again to God, right? To our source, to the one who made us. That understanding that leads to eternal life. Uh, we understand uh, through Jesus that we are dead in our sins, that we're separated from God. And by his, Jesus' death on the cross, right, he pays the price for our sins so that we can be reconciled. We can come back into that relationship with him who is the source of life. But secondly, through Jesus, we also gain the light or the understanding of truth that leads to a quality of life. Jesus called it abundant life in John 10, 10, didn't he? So thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We're not just talking about heaven when we die someday. We're talking about life here and now. A life that's in harmony with God. A life that leads to peace and to joy and to God's blessing in the whole spectrum of our lives. Without him, we're in darkness, aren't we? We can't see the way, but he is the light of the world. Notice he says here, though, he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All of this blessing comes from following Jesus, doesn't it? But what does it mean to follow Jesus. Because there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. They believe that he was a real person, that he lived, right? Uh, maybe even that he died on a cross, on a Roman cross one day. And maybe even they believe that he rose again from the grave. But they don't necessarily follow him. Again, think of being back in the woods. Where is the person with the light? They're up front, aren't they? Showing everybody the way. The others are following behind. They're going where the one with the light goes. They're stepping over what they step over. They're avoiding what they avoid, right? They jump over what they jump over. And when they do that, they make it home safely, right? On the contrary, if, if they ignore the one with the light, if they deviate from the leader, if they're not watching closely to what the leader does and copy their moves, they trip, they get wet, they bump into each other again, right? So kind of getting a picture of what this means to follow Jesus. Now, in Jesus' day, those who heard his words would know exactly what he was talking about. When he walked by the Sea of Galilee and he shouted to a couple of fishermen, follow me, they knew that he was calling them into a special relationship with himself, calling them to be his disciples. And they knew that because other people had disciples back in the day. It wasn't uh, something that originated with Jesus. Other Jewish rabbis had disciples. Greek philosophers had disciples, right? A disciple was a student, 
kind of like an apprentice. Uh, but whereas an apprentice will train under a teacher uh, to learn the skills of a trade, uh, a disciple, on the other hand, didn't learn a trade. They learned about life. But in the same way, like an apprentice, they left their former way of life and entered into a training program, right? Uh, Peter and, and Andrew, they, they left their nets, right? They were fishermen. That's what they did. They left their nets to enter into this discipleship program. They left the former behind to start something new, a new way of life. And they literally followed their teacher around. I mean, Jesus walked a lot, right? And they walked with him. They followed him, um, learning from here, him, listening to his words, so they might know what uh, their teacher knew, do what their teacher did, with the goal of becoming like their teacher. That's what a disciple does. Now, when we look at the original 12 disciples, except for Judas the traitor, that is, that's exactly what they did. Now, those original ones would be designated as apostles, sent ones, who would become the next generation of disciple makers. But we also know that Jesus had other disciples, didn't he? Other people that followed him, other people that listened to him, other people that sat at his feet who learned his words and sought to uh, integrate that teaching into their lives, right? Um, which is, I mean, there was 120 in the upper room, right? So there was at least that many on the day of Pentecost that would have been considered Jesus' disciples. Um, but that's, that's what, again, disciples were, learners, those who would hang on those words and say, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I want to integrate that into my life. And that's exactly, as we keep reading down in chapter 8, uh, that's exactly how Jesus describes a follower in verse 31. It says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word. What's that mean? Well, it's the Greek word emeno. It actually has two meanings. One is to live. We find that in Acts 28.30 where the Bible says Paul lived there, emeno, for two years. Uh, the second meaning, meaning is kind of related. It means to stay or continue or remain faithful to. Uh, Hebrews 8, uh, verse 9, God speaking of those that he led out of Egypt, he says, they did not continue, emeno, in my covenant. They didn't stay with it. They didn't remain faithful to it. They didn't continue in it. Um, not long ago, Kathleen and I were watching a movie about a mother with uh, two small boys that... Uh, fell on some really difficult times. And she walked into a department store and walked out with a new outfit under her coat and a pretty fancy purse. And her son, uh, who was probably about 10, uh, 
caught her on it and said, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? And she said, well, I, you know, I needed this and that. He said, but you stole it. And she said, well, I only steal from big companies who won't miss it. That's what you and I call situational ethics, right? Stealing is wrong, except in this situation here. So stealing was wrong was not a principle that she lived by, continued in, or remained faithful to, was it? It was something that was really a good idea until she could justify doing something different. How about you and I get real here? You and me. We, we, we won't tell anybody else, okay? It's really quiet here. Can we do that with the Word of God? Have you ever said, either out loud or thought it in your heart, I know what the Bible says, but... I think we've all done it, haven't we? Whether it's anger or pride, peer pressure, any number of temptations, right? Jesus says, if you and I are going to experience that light of life, that light that leads to life, if we're going to experience the life of God across the spectrum of our lives, in different areas of our lives, if we're going to be in harmony with him, if we're going to know that blessing, if we're going to truly be a disciple of his, then his words cannot be just sort of a guide for our lives, right? Something that's uh, good advice that we, we, we may want to think of, you know, really listening to at times. No, it's got to be where we live, emeno, in this word. We got to live here. It's got to be the foundation of our lives. It's where, it's where we put down roots, right? It's got to be um, what we continue in, what we stay in, what we remain faithful to if we're going to experience what God has for us. But here's the thing, and if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. You and I can't do it. We can't do it. You know, I, I'm not going to stand up here and say, you have to live by this word. You got to try harder. You got to stick. You can't do it. I can't do it. Okay, let's uh, say the doxology and we'll all go home and think about that for a while. <laughs> Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 says this. This is, this is Paul. He says, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. He goes on to say, oh, woe is me. You know, who will separate me from the body of this death? This is impossible. I can't do it. I want to do what the word says. But I find that I just can't. Hudson Taylor, that, that famous missionary to China, went through a, a similar experience. The more he tried to be holy, he said, the more he found himself failing. 
And he was just ready to just cash it in. What am I doing, Lord? I, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be representing you and being a missionary and all this kind of stuff. But then he saw something, truth from the word of God, that it's not about our willpower. It's not about our ability. It's not about our strength. I mean, listen, we cannot simply take this word for granted. We can't be flippant about it. We can't say that this is a book of good suggestions. We have to be absolutely serious and committed to this word if we want to be a true disciple. But on the other hand, we cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it in our own willpower. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, can't we? Philippians 4.13. That's why when you and I trust Jesus as our Savior, God causes us to be born again. God causes his spirit to come into us, to lead us in the way that is right, to lead us to follow the light, but also to empower us to do the same. And what Paul found out in 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 9, is that God's power is perfected in our weakness. A lot of times when, when we're all determined to do this in our willpower, that's when we fail the most horribly. And that's why Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11 says this, that the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Not trying harder this week and being up and then eh, failing next week and then up and down and up and down and up and down till we're ready to quit, till we, till we surrender to this um, uh, mediocrity of Christianity that doesn't go anywhere. You know, I, just, I am who I am, just going to wait for Jesus to come and save me, you know. No, it is God who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we can trust him to do that by faith. We can trust that his power will be there to help us in our time of need, to help us when we're at the crossroads and give us the power to follow the light. And we need to, to expect that, you and I. We need to, to walk into every day expecting that grace to meet us and to help us to continually choose what's in here. Now, obviously, we got to know it. Obviously, we got to read it, right? If we're going to choose it, this is the book of light, this is the book of wisdom. This is the book where the creator of the universe says, here, let me show you how it's done. Why would this sit on a shelf? You know, why is, why is the self-help industry a, a multi-billion dollar industry when we have the words of life right here, when we have the light, the way to do it, to, to gain blessing, to bring life into our lives? Why would, why would this sit on a shelf unread, right? So we got to read it. 
But as we do and as we come into that, as we receive the light from that word and say, okay, this is it. Then we need to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to walk it out day by day. Day by day. So what does that look like, practically speaking? What does it look like? It's you and me spending time in the Lord's presence regularly, daily, opening his word and allowing him to shine the light on life for us, to give us revelation of truth. Right? We talked about that last week. It's his job to help us to understand not only what this is really meaning, but how to apply it in our lives. And then receiving that light, saying, Lord, I trust you to work this in me. I trust you to help me to choose this. I trust you to be there when I'm at a crossroads and I, and, and I want to think in my mind, I know what the Bible says, but that you will meet me in the power of your spirit and help me to go the right way. Even when it's inconvenient, even when everything within me says, I just, I want to do this over here, right? To say, Lord, I trust you to meet me, to help me to bless those that curse me, to reach out to those who are less fortunate that you help me to see, to work conscientiously, especially when nobody's looking, um, to do the things that you say to do, Lord, when I don't feel like it or when I really feel like doing something else. Lord, in those situations, would you remind me what I read in here? Remind me the light of truth and give me the power to do that. And expect him to meet us in that place so that the more and more and more we do that, the more and more we are abiding in this word. And we become that true follower of Jesus who has the light of life. Not only the light of eternal life, but life day by day by day by day. Walking in harmony with him, seeing his blessing come into uh, our lives in so many, so many different areas. Amen. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the light. You are the light. And you are our light, Lord. You are my light. You are the one who, who gives to us truth, who gives to us understanding so that we can live that life that is in harmony with you and that brings blessing and, pre and peace and healing and grace 
not only to us, but to those, Lord, that we interact with. So, Lord, we do. We ask you to draw us into your word. We trust you to be faithful, to open our eyes to truth, to shine that light, Lord, upon your word for us. And then, Lord, we trust you to empower us to walk it out day by day, hour by hour. We thank you, Lord, that you are there if we blow it, that you forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess that. But, God, we don't want to just settle We want to be disciples. We want to be like Jesus. We want to walk in step with you. So bring us along, Lord. Help us to grow and to be more and more like Jesus. We praise you. We bless you. Give you all the glory. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.